If you feel it, you know it. D-Raw Production. Sports Talk with D-Raw. people it is official every team in Houston sucks especially professional um, when we look at things man the Texans are one in eight the Rockets are one in 13 we talking about two different professional teams and two different professional sports combining for two wins all together two fucking wins bro this is ridiculous. I mean, the Texans won their first game of the season, and they haven't won since. Matter of fact, I tell you this. The Texans won this week. You know why? Because they was on a bye week. And you can't lose on a bye week unless you're probably the Texans because they always find some way to take an L. Rather, it's David Cully opening his mouth and talking about how he got to coach better or he got to do this better, he got to do that better. And each week we realize that nothing gets better. So with the whole bye week, basically a 14-day period um, in between two separate games, after that loss to the Dolphins from the 17-9 loss, which was very, very disappointing. Um, you have to wonder, does Tyrod Taylor come out and be a new person? Do he revert back to the Tyrod that we've seen for six quarters in the beginning of the season? Because I'm looking toward him showing true characteristics of Tyrod Taylor. Because last game was just so uncharacteristically out of his favor. And he just performed horrible. I mean, throwing several interceptions just for the second time in his whole career. You know, that's not something that Tyrod do. So, I do look forward to seeing Tyrod do better. But at the same time, I don't think Tyrod has ever been in such a horrible situation in his career. But... If David Mills can thrive, and I won't even say thrive, be decent behind that horrible offensive line, so can Tyrod Taylor. And that's just my my opinion on that. Um, looking at what the Texans got coming up against the Titans and wondering on the things that they should have improved on over this bye week, the number one thing they needed to improve was the offensive line. Getting everybody on the offensive line on the same page because that is the main issue with this team. As much as David David Mills keeps trying to harp on they need to improve, they need to improve. No, he needs to improve at being a better coach because he was supposed to be a receiver's coach, a receiver's coordinator, some sort in the past. Um He's supposed to know offense. I'm not saying that they said he was a 
offensive guru, but he got Tim Kelly on. He got Pep Hamilton as his quarterback coach. I mean, you have too many options to be successful. Lovey Smith as a defensive coordinator. You have Romeo Cornell up in the office still coaching somewhat. They're not going to going to tell you the, the whole truth, but you have too much talent in the coaching room, in one room, to give you ideas on how to be a better coach. I mean, looking at his coaching staff, they put people around him so he wouldn't fail and be a dumpster fire. Now, I'm not saying that all these guys are perfect and, and things like that. He probably wanted to choose his own offensive coordinator, which I do see happening moving forward in the uh, upcoming season because Tim Kelly was kept on the team to lure Watson back to the Texans to at least lure him to play a, a down or two for the Texans, at least. You know, I don't think no coach knew what they was going to be walking into with this organization, period. But I mean, the lines was clear as day saying that, you know, Deshaun Watson wasn't going to play for this team. The writing was on the wall. We already knew. No matter what they did, if they wasn't getting the people that he specifically picked out, Deshaun wasn't going to play for this team. But the one thing I can say, Pep Hamilton has a good background uh, from the football standpoint of him playing and to the coaching point of view. And him being the passing game coordinator and quarterbacks coach, we might have some success with the quarterbacks. Because if you look at the the quarterbacks that he have coached, like Andrew Luck in the past, and coached him up to, to be even better, the Pep Hamilton might be a damn good coordinator for them. And that might be where they need to lean at anyways. Because... This Tim Kelly offense is still the same offense that they was pretty much running under Bill O'Brien. And yeah, there's some different things here and there, but there's not enough to really say this offensive, offensive line or these receivers are getting separation. This run game look better. Nothing looks better. It only looks worse this year. And with uh, David Cully coming in here and him supposedly having this, you know, this... Uh, experience as a head assistant head coach and pass game coordinator as well as slash receivers coach Cully hasn't brought anything to this team of value now can you blame Cully for the amount of talent that the Texans actually have for him on this team no but I can definitely say that offense should look way better than what it does I mean no, they don't have the most talented people, but yes, they got NFL players, period. And they should just look better than what they have produced up to this point. So looking at the Titans and Texans game, of course, you already know the Titans are favored. The Titans are at home. The Titans are 8-2, and two, and Houston is 1-8. and eight. And I'm pretty sure Houston is kind of loving the fact that the Lions tied up with Pittsburgh this uh, past week, which was a good thing for Houston in some ways to 
kind of moving to that position where they can kind of be the worst team now uh, with the Lions tying with Pittsburgh. But at the same time, I will tell you this. The Lions are a much better team than the Houston Texans. And after the Texans lose this game this week against the Titans and then next week they lose to the Jets, we will definitely know who will be getting the first pick. I think that will be clear-cut to all the NFL that the Texans deserve the first pick overall. So, this Titans and Texans game, the spread is 10 and a half. You most definitely know the Titans will cover the spread even if Derrick Henry is not running the ball and they have AP taking the carries in this game. I most definitely believe that the Texans will get destroyed. Now, I do think that Tyrod Taylor will make this team look better this week. Uh, He have had a whole week to knock off the rust and get back into NFL form. This is a good game for the Texans to go out and try to compete. Now, like I said, they will not win, but they will look better on offense. Just from a veteran standpoint of what Tyrod Taylor will bring to the Texans, they should look much better. Looking at the basic statistics of the game, points per game, the Texans only average two touchdowns a game. The Titans average four touchdowns a game. The Texans allow four touchdowns a game, so that tells you that the Titans will definitely get their fourth touchdowns in this game. Um, And the Titans allow 23.2 points in the game. Um, And the Texans just have not figured out how to score enough points up to that point uh, since they played Cleveland when Tyrod was playing. So if Tyrod can have a bounce back game, play like Tyrod, Texans go out there and be competitive, still lose, but lose a close one and maybe only lose by 10, you know, and the Titans don't cover the spread. But if Tyrod goes out and play like he did against the Dolphins, a week and a half ago, then the Texans will go out and get defeated. Now, I want to say something. I'm going to tell you something that's very, very interesting about the Dolphins. Um, the Texans lost to the Dolphins 17-9. They lost by eight points. But then the Dolphins turned around on a Thursday night, played the Baltimore Ravens, who's a pretty damn good team, and the Dolphins won. They beat the Ravens 22 to 10. Who would have thought that they would have beat the Ravens by a bigger margin than they beat the Texans? That's pretty crazy. Now, I don't know what the Dolphins are doing out there, but apparently they're not tanking and they're trying to win some games, even if they're not trying to win every game. But they're much better than the Texans and that was proven when they lost, uh, when the Texans lost to the Dolphins, seventeen to nine. Um, at this point, man, like I said, I just want to see the youngsters get more reps. Um, there's really no point of playing anybody that you know is not going to be on this team. If you look at the Texans roster and how many people are on one-year deals or two-year deals, and the second year is not guaranteed. 
there's only going to be about 10 players left on this roster at the end of the season. So with that being said, you might as well check out everybody that is going to play and see um, if they belong on the Texans for the upcoming season and try to see who really wants to be with the Texans next season. Because I'm going to be honest, a lot of these players will not want to be a part of the Texans next season. So look for the Texans to go 1-9 and nine this week. Look for the Titans to improve to be 9-2 and two, uh, at the top of the AFC Conference, which has been up and down. But it's nice to see the Titans uh, continuously finding a way to win even without King Henry being in. Moving on, people. Now we got to talk about the Sorry Rockets. I'm going to be honest. I, I kept saying that, you know, the Rockets might be 7th or 8th seed and things like that. But as I look deeper and deeper into it, this is a team that could be 7th and 8th seed. But Coach Silas is just not cut out to be the coach for the Rockets. I think he is too much of a player's coach and he needs to be more about the game and need to be more stern with these young guys because a young team like the Rockets needs someone that's stern to teach them the way of the game and teach them how to carry themselves like vets. And at the same time, Silas needs help with veterans on the team. He doesn't have enough veterans on the team, in my opinion. Um, he doesn't have enough noticeable veterans on the team outside of, um, I wouldn't even say Augustine is someone that you really want to listen to, but you got to listen because he's been in the league for so long. You know, Eric Gordon is someone that's noticeable to listen to, but does Eric Gordon really seem like that kind of leader in the locker room? I would say no. They need someone in there that can lead them and that they will listen to. They need someone that doesn't necessarily have to be playing, but they need like a Tyson Chandler back on this team. Um, John Wall sitting there sucking up money, and he's just getting paid not to play. And to be honest, he's the best team, I mean the best player on this Rockets team. So at this point, I don't even understand why John Wall is not playing because me personally, don't you think that he would look more attractive to other teams if he's actually playing versus him not playing and just sitting on the bench and sucking up air and money? Because all the things that he complained about James Harden doing and not wanting to play for the Rockets, he's doing the same thing. Now, I'm not saying that it was John Wall's decision to sit on the bench and suck up money and air. It was actually the Rockets organization, which is even more stupid. But at this point, they need to let John Wall play. Because I think John Wall playing in the game with Jalen Green would help Jalen Green uh, gain so, so much more than what it has come out to be. And let's be fair. Jalen Green is a rookie. He's 19 years old. Yes, he was a second pick. Yes, he played in the uh, G League and things like that. But you got a point guard that's playing point that doesn't really know how to play point. He's learning the point guard position in KPJ. A lot of people talk down on KPJ, but he has some good and bad games. He's inconsistent as well as Jalen Green. But 
you gotta kind of be more on K on KPJ because he's been in the league for what two or three years now. So you gotta expect more. But him being in the league two two or three years, he's been at the two instead of the one, and now he's switching over to the one, and he wants to be a point guard. And I just don't know if him and Jalen Green fits next to each other. I think KPJ needs to go to the bench and play with the twos and learn how to distribute amongst them. And then maybe they need to just let DJ Augustine run point since he knows how to distribute the ball. Or at this point, you can just let, um, well, you really don't have any other guard, to be honest. I mean, because Garrison Matthews is not not ready. Josh Christopher is a two. So, I, honestly, you gotta let you gotta let uh, Augustine run the point. He needs to start for this team, or they need to go ahead and get John Wall back in there in that lineup and get him playing because John Wall would help Jalen Green so much, putting him in the right position to make shots, putting him in position to drive to the basket, and more. It would help the whole team float a whole lot better. And it would cut down on the turnovers. They have way too many turnovers. I mean, this team is averaging 18 and a half turnovers, bro. You know, um, the record for turnovers is like 24. Like, uh, I think the 76ers back in the 70s or something, they averaged like 24 turnovers a game. The Rockets are not very, very far from averaging 24. Now, I'm not saying that they're going to, Average that and break the record, but damn, come on, man. Y'all should know how to control the ball, keep the ball within the Rockets, and just do better. Now, what I will say is I do like what Al P has been doing. Al Perrin, Sagoon, he's been playing amazing. Uh, Christian Wood could play better, but he's not playing bad. I think Christian Wood sometimes play um big headed I think he thinks he's better than what he really is but he plays solid Jay Sean Tate man Jay Sean Tate is a dog and if anybody on that team they should keep you know outside of some of these other young dudes like JG and um maybe um Alperin well of course Alperin and 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 maybe KPJ Jay Sean Tate belongs on this team Jay Sean Tate is someone that's going to be a locker room guy moving in the future, and he's going to be a dog with a with a great attitude. JG, Jalen Green, just needs to be more consistent. He needs to uh, stay consistent in his mind to be motivated to attack the basket. I want to see him take the ball, ask for the ball, call for the ball, go towards the basket more often than he has already. And he needs to stop taking all those threes because right now his shot isn't really there. And I hope and pray that on the off days when the Rockets are not playing, that he's taking shots in the gym. He probably needs like a thousand shots in each hand or something, but he has to figure it out. Uh, Alpie, man, honestly, Alpie is going to be great. If he keeps being consistent and going at the rate he's going, Alperin Sagoon is going to be great. And I'm talking about like Jokic great. He's going to be damn, damn good. I don't think Daniel Tice really belongs on this team. I've been saying that. I think they need someone that's long, lanky, that necessarily doesn't have to be able to be a shooter, but needs to be able to clog the paint and get some blocks. And with that being said, 
the Rockets should have got Jared Allen when they or kept him or however that trade worked out when uh it was going on. I think that's what they should have did. Um looking at some of these other youngsters, man, KJ Martin, uh Armani Brooks, Josh Christopher, Garuba, all these guys, they just need more minutes. And if they're not getting the minutes, why not let them go get the minutes in the D League? But to be honest, the way the Rockets have been playing, they've been playing like a D-League team. And sometimes I just can't believe that this is even an actual NBA team coming from where we came from in the past few years from being a team that was on a brink of going to the finals to, um, you know, just being a consistent playoff maker every year to going to this and being in rebuild mode is pretty damn sad. And just to think that we – just our team just can't be coached better than what they have been being coached at this point is pretty sad. Um, now, just to notify you all about what we got on the stats so far, Christian Wood is averaging 16 and a half points. Jalen Green is averaging 13.9, so 14 points. Eric Gordon, 13. KPJ, 12. Alperin Sagoon, nine and nine and a half. So, oh, and Jay Sean Tate is averaging 11. Um, so when you look at that, those averages aren't bad, but you need someone in there that can boost your points. And right now, the problem with this team is they don't have a playmaker on this team that can boost what they're producing because some of these guys are, are not uh, able to create for themselves and they don't really have a true creator because when KPJ is only averaging 12 points a game, and five assists, that's not enough creativity for the Rockets in this young squad. They need a young vet to lead them. And I just don't understand why John Wall, John Wall, John Wall is not playing. And if he's not playing, go ahead and trade him now and stop waiting. Moving on, people. We got to talk about the baseball league. We got to talk about the Houston Astros to be more exact. Now, uh, the latest updates come with Verlander has been looking like him old self. Verlander has been looking good. Now, I've heard that Verlander is eyeing another big market, not named Houston. So, I don't know where exactly Verlander is trying to go. But, if we look at the notable free agent signings so far, I thought the Astros should have been in the mix on this deal for Noah Syndergaard. Uh... Noah Syndergaard agreed to go to the Angels and leave the New York Mets. And that just kind of bolsters what the Angels are doing. And I think this is the year that the Angels will try to bolster their roster with Otani uh, playing the way he is. And you know you always get the old Mike Trout. Mike Trout has been a great baseball player his whole career. And just to try to get Noah Syndergaard, a player that has been injured but coming back and trying to prove that he is still one of the top pitchers out there for $21 million on a one-year deal. That is great. And I think the Astros should have been in play for that deal because at this point, I think that's what the Astros are looking for, something with short-term uh, contracts to it and um, maybe a decent dollar amount. And I think $21 mil is decent, but... Hell, maybe I'm wrong. Another pitcher that got signed was Eduardo Rodriguez. 
leaving the Red Sox and going to the Detroit Tigers with uh, some of those people from the old Astros crew. Rodriguez signed for five years, $77 million. And that is another picture that the Astros should have been in on. I mean, there are pitchers out here signing deals, and the Astros have not made a move yet. And I will tell you one thing. All the other big market teams have made moves as far as the ones that are contending. From the Yankees, the Angels, Braves, Cardinals, uh, Dodgers. And when I say big market, it don't necessarily mean a big market city, but big market in baseball. Because, you know, some of these owners... Pockets are very deep, and I know Jim Crane got the money to go out and sign some of these guys. He needs to get his money out of his pocket and get to get ready to pay some of these players. And if he's not going to go and make a big splurge on a pitcher, he definitely needs to splurge and bring back Carlos Correa. Because if he doesn't, a lot of people will not understand what the hell the Houston Astros are doing. Now, people... It's time for the granddaddy of them all. It's college football, as I like to say. College football, we're looking at my Houston Cougars. And this week, we get to take on the Memphis Tigers. But looking at our previous opponent, the Temple Owls, I believe. Yes, the Temple Owls. We defeated them 37-8 in Philadelphia. And... um. With that being said, the Cougars played great in that game. I mean, Clayton Toon, he threw 224 yards, two TDs, no picks. McCaskill continued to dominate the college football world as a freshman running back with 21 carries, 129 yards, and two two TDs. And, uh, man, we, we, we look pretty good all the way around. I can't say nothing negative about about the Cougars this week. I mean, they got off to a slow start in the first quarter, but, man, did they pick it up along the way. Nathaniel Dell has stayed consistent by making sure he gets multiple receptions week in and week out. Christian Trahan is looking like a pretty solid tight end each and every week. And uh, this was a week where we was down a receiver, um, but we still continue to play Solid, sound football. And I cannot be disappointed in what the Houston Cougars did this week. So, um, just pushing on. You know, everybody ran well from Tayshaun Henry to Alton McCaskill. Hell, to even uh, Clayton Toon getting out of the pocket when he had to. Everybody did what they needed to do. The defense came through. Um, We only had one sack, but we put pressure on the quarterback repeatedly, stopped him in the red zone, and took care of business. We forced two interceptions from Justin Lynch, and then they even went ahead and allowed Ahmad Anderson Jr. to throw the ball one time, and he threw a pick as well. So the Houston Cougars went out there and forced three turnovers uh, against the Temple Owls. And we even stuffed their run as they tried to run the ball 23 different times with three different backs. And 
they got one TD on 99 yards with all of that. Looking at the receiving for the Temple Owls, um, they had 119 yards total altogether. And all the receivers, through six different receivers, they only had 11 receptions. Houston dominated this game easily. And to look forward to another game at home, man, I really, really want to be at this game. But unfortunately, this will be an eventful weekend for me. Um, Houston will be taking on the Memphis Tigers. And when I say this will be a damn good game, it will be because every year, it's always a competitive game against Memphis. And to be honest, Memphis has defeated Houston the last five games. So that goes to show that this will be a competitive game. And Houston is favored to win by 80%. Um, but I tell you that Memphis is a 5-5 five and five team that can put up points. And when I say that, Memphis averages 31.7 points a game. Houston averages 38.9 points a game. Memphis total yardage is 450 points a game. And Houston's is 412. Now, Memphis allows 29.2 points a game and Houston allows 20 points a game. Um, all things considered, you don't really know which Memphis team we will get, but Houston just has to be on the edge every play and play up to their best ability. I look forward to this game being a good uh, game and a good crowded game for Houston as this game will take place in Houston. And also, congratulations to my Houston Cougs, baby. We have cemented ourselves into the American Athletic Conference game. So, with that being said, that means if Houston continues to go on their roll, or if they don't go on their roll, they will still go to the conference championship. And if Cincinnati beats SMU this week, Cincinnati will be meeting Houston in the conference championship. And if you already know, as we all know, Cincinnati is what, ranked number six, five or six right now? So imagine if Cincinnati wins out, Houston wins out, and we're looking at something big, guys. We're looking at something real, real big. I mean, this game will really change what will happen in the uh, college football playoff because right now the college football committee is hoping that Houston upset Cincinnati. I'm hoping Houston upset Cincinnati, but if we lose to Cincinnati, I'm going to be honest. I won't be mad. I won't be disappointed. I will be cheering for the fact that Cincinnati could get into the college football playoff because they will be breaking barriers down with a win and then going into the the uh, college football playoff, going in there undefeated at that. So that would be lovely to see as well. Um, but, of course, I'm always riding for my Cougs, and I, I hope my Cougs can just win against Memphis. And then, hey, 
We just get continue to take care of our business each and every week from here on out. If we defeat Memphis, then we'll take on UConn in Connecticut. And then after that, man, all we got to do is focus on Cincinnati because I think that's who's going to come out on top because Cincinnati has so much riding on their season. And don't get me wrong, SMU is a damn good team. But um, looking at this game, Cincinnati being at home against SMU, I think that Cincinnati will definitely take this game at home and um, rise up to the occasion. So get ready for a top five matchup matchup of that uh, conference weekend when Cincinnati and Houston faces off against each other. Moving on, Houston Cougars basketball has got off to a high start. They're 2-0. And um, now, as far as college basketball, I'm going to cover the Houston Cougars currently right now because I'm a Cougar fan, and that is the flagship school of the city of Houston. And um, until college football ends, which is still in its prime, I will only cover the Houston Cougars basketball. So, sorry to say, I'm not going to cover the women until college football ends. I'm only going to cover the men because they are the winners of the NCAA basketball as far as uh, Houston is concerned. So, this is only temporary, people. So, hear me out. Once college football ends... I will cover college basketball, men and women, for all the Houston area teams. Uh, but until then, I will only cover the Houston Cougars men's basketball. By the way, the Houston Cougars basketball team will be taking on the Virginia Cavaliers tonight. And uh, Virginia comes in 1-1. One one. They come to Houston. And Houston is 2-0, and oh, like I mentioned. And, you know, Virginia is a team that actually won the Final Four, what, a year or two ago. So, you can't look past good coaching and possibly just a solid team being there on that Virginia uh, squad. And also, you got to look at what Houston is bringing to the table. Houston is ranked number 15 in the country. Um, I'm looking forward to Marcus Sasser having a good game and going out there and dominating. And hopefully, the... Cougars can just pull it off at home. Houston will be taking on Virginia with a spread of six points. And hopefully, Houston can cover the spread because I would love to see that gap in between them. And also, it will make a difference, you know, just as far as rankings. And it's showing that Houston got enough talent to just keep on chugging, baby. And I hope we can chug ourselves all the way back to the Final Four. But this time, get it done. So, hopefully, Houston uh, pulls that off. But looking at a couple other games uh, in the future, the Houston Cougars will be taking on the Butler Bulldogs. And, you know, Butler is another team that comes out very competitive each and every year. So, that would be another game to circle on your calendar on the 22nd. the Houston Cougars will be facing off against them and Houston will be home for that game as well. And that game will be scheduled to come on ESPN too. 
So that would be nice to catch on TV. Now, let me go ahead and switch back over to college football. Talk about this Texas A&M Aggie team that disappointed me this previous week. Uh, Texas A&M took an L, man. They took an L to the Ole Miss um, football team. I mean, the Ole Miss Rebels went out there and dominated the game 29-19. They found the way to win. And in this game, Calzada reverted back to his old characteristics, man. He had two picks. He threw 24 for 42, 237 yards. And Matt Corral continued to look decent enough to be um, eligible to be invited to the draft party. Matt Corral. Went 24 for 37, 247 yards, one TD. And they pulled off the win. And with that being said, Ole Miss had one turnover. Texas A&M had two turnovers. And when it comes down to these kind of games of possession in the SEC, these are the things that matter. Ole Miss had similar time of possession, but they ran the ball. And they dominated. And they passed the ball. And they dominated. And all together, they had 504 yards total combined versus Texas A&M, 378 yards total combined. By the way, Ole Miss defeated Texas A&M in good old-fashioned with 100% of capacity there in front of, in front of 64,000 fans. So, that was a good victory for Ole Miss. Ole Miss was ranked 15. The Aggies was ranked 11. And we definitely know that there will be some changes moving forward as far as ranking for the Aggies as they take their third loss on the season. Now, this is a funny combination of teams to talk about. Uh, but before I get to this big game, I want to talk about PV. PV is finally lost again, and they took their second loss to Alcorn State, that a team that I thought they would have beat. But remember I said, this was going to be one of those games that you have to kind of look at and say, can PV beat this team? Alcorn State moved on to be 6-4. and four. PV dropped to 7-2. and two. Alcorn takes the win 31-29. PV had two turnovers. Alcorn had zero. And with that being said, man, you're looking at the passing for the for the uh, PV Panthers. 342 yards passing, three TDs, 25 for 36. Pass did great. Now, that's an amazing last name for a quarterback, right? Pass. Uh, PV struggled in the rushing department. 16 carries, 70 yards for Stewart. And for Spiller in the receiving department, he had an amazing game. Five receptions, 153 yards, and two TDs. Keep doing your thing, Spiller. That's what I'm talking about, my guy. Now, on the Alcorn side, um, they did just enough. Two TDs, 263 yards from Harper. Um, Anderson didn't have an amazing rushing game himself for Alcorn. 15 carries, 60 yards, one TD, though, which did make a difference. And Pringle, as their receiver, top leading receiver, four receptions, 119 yards, 
receiving and one TD. Again, PV lost this game and they dropped the seven and two. But let's not forget, PV is still a good team. And also, I must I mention, PV was getting destroyed in this game. From halftime, uh, PV had nine and Alcorn had 24. And then PV tried to make a comeback in the second half, scoring seven in the third and 13 in the fourth. Alcorn only scored seven points in the second half, but it was enough just to pull off the victory. Now, PV will be taking on this Texas A&M team, and this is the game that I'm talking about, people. This game will be going down at 11, 11 in the morning, Central Time, and you got to wonder, can PV find some way to upset this A&M Aggies team? Now, most likely not. They, they won't have enough to upset them, but I look forward to seeing pass play good against an a, a solid A&M defense. Calzada uh, continue to try to play his best, but maybe he will play a little bit better this week because his ratio to interception, TD to uh, interception is not great. 12 TDs, 9 picks is not, not a good thing to talk about. Now, I look forward to seeing PV uh, offense just, you know, be more productive in this game and figure things out. But I will tell you one thing. Their biggest issue in this game will be Spiller. Spiller will run all over this PV team as he is uh, probably the top back in the nation right now as we speak. And um, also A&M has a great tight end in Weidermeyer. And that is someone else they have to be looking out for. Um, so I don't know if PV have enough on the defensive side to slow down his A&M team. But I do think they have enough offense to try to, you know, be competitive against A&M. Now, if you want to know, of course, the matchup predictor says that A&M will win this game 99.5% of the time. But I'm hoping and pulling for PV to be competitive and open some eyes. Sam Houston continues to go undefeated. And one thing I forgot to talk about Sam Houston was I wanted, wanted to congratulate them on moving to the Conference USA. Conference USA, you know, lost various teams to the American Conference. Uh, but as they lost teams, they actually added some pretty damn good schools. And Liberty, Jacksonville State, a team that upset Florida State earlier this season, New Mexico State, and the undefeated Sam Houston State. Now, New Mexico State was in the FBS a couple years ago, so I, I'm expecting that, you know, they got some things back on track and they're getting themselves back in there into the Conference USA. And Sam Houston State has just been on a, a, a toll of defeating teams year in, year out. And this year they're undefeated so far. And uh, their most previous victory comes against Eastern Kentucky, a 6-4 and four Eastern Kentucky at that, which wasn't a bad team. Sam Houston beat them 42-28. to 28. Um, Schmidt had a damn good game, 392 yards, passing three TDs. Uh, not much from the Russian department, but uh, a day 
had seven receptions, 138 yards receiving, one TD. And as you look on the other side for Eastern Kentucky or EKU, EKU uh, quarterback in McKinney threw for 338 yards, two TDs, and one pick. They didn't do anything in the rushing department as their leading rusher only rushed for 10 yards on four carries. That is horrible coaching on EKU part. Now, their receiver, their leading receiver was Wilcox Jr. He had nine receptions, 103 yards. So, that was a good thing, at least. But, this game was totally, totally dominated by Sam Houston Bearcats. Now, for the last game of the season, before they, you know, reached the conference championship, Sam Houston will be taking on the Abilene Christian Wildcats. Abilene Christian will be at home, and Sam Houston will come in uh, undefeated, of course. And Abilene will be five and five at five hundred. So you got to look to this team to be a team that could possibly go out here and be competitive. I don't think they will be competitive enough to get the victory, but I do think they will make this a game. That's for sure. Now, HBU. HBU continues to be defeated and defeated again. They have not won a game yet this year. They are now 0-10. You know, HBU sounds just like some of these other teams in the heart of Houston. And I'm talking about the Houston Texans. I'm talking about the Houston Rockets. Man, hopefully they can at least get that one win like the rest of the teams. Because this week, they will be taking on Incarnate Word Cardinals. But previously, they took on... The McNeese Cowboys, a four and six team at this point, and they got dominated, man. I mean, McNeese went to the restroom and took a shit on HBU. They left them a real turd, bro. Forty-four to three. That is just damn right wrong. And the line was fifteen and a half. Oh, bro, they covered that three times. <laughs> so, um. You look at this game, it's, it's just pretty bad on HBU part. There's not much recap to see on this game. There's not much uh, productivity from the HBU standpoint. But as I keep saying, HBU coach needs to be fired. And if he has not been fired yet, I don't know what's going on. I might need to check the news to make sure that he's even still there. Because, bro... I don't know what this this HBU team is doing, but they're not doing enough to get a victory at this point. And looking at that game, they have to just totally give up because they've been way more competitive in the last five games than they was ever in that game. And the Magnese Cowboys are not that damn good. So this week, I'm going to be honest. HBU might just get beat even worse this week as they take on Incarnate Word. Incarnate Word comes in at 8-2, and two, and they're 6-1 and one in the conference. And, of course, HBU is 0-10. And, man, I feel bad for the seniors in this game because it will be senior day. HBU will be home for this game. And... This is the wrong way to close out your season. That is the obvious truth. 
Now, I'm going to tell you one thing. HBU quarterback is just garbage. His ratio is six TDs and nine picks, and he can't even throw more TDs than his picks right now. Their run game is not strong. Ford, Ford uh, rushing is 211 yards on a season and three TDs. Uh, 65 carries, so that, that tells me that he has not played all season long or has not started in that position, I would hope. But, man, we got to see better out of HBU. They got to turn this program around. And for a program that just started maybe seven years ago, this is not the way you want to be going. This is not the direction to be going in. And uh, at least get on the TSU Tigers uh, level. TSU. TSU coming off a loss. Uh, remember, they was one of the teams that stayed defeated, but they found them themselves finding two two and seven in uh, their books so far, and they almost beat a solid Alabama A and M Bulldog team. Uh, TSU lost fifty two to forty nine. Unfortunately, uh, all they needed was man just a couple more points. They could have tied it up and went into OT at least, you know. But I'm I'm glad to know that TSU competes week in and week out. The the people might not be there in the locker room. The talent might not be there, I want to say. But you know what? Uh, Body, which is the quarterback, plays solid. 299 yards, passing four TDs, can't complain. Man, but when your boy on the other side in glass throws for 462 yards and five TDs, you have an issue. Now, both teams ran the ball well with Quarles for AAMU, running for 162 yards and two TDs, and Owens for TSU, running for 179 yards and one TD. Now, on the receiving uh, part of the game, TSU showed up. Giles, five receptions, 96 yards, two TDs. Ibrahim, eight receptions, 176 yards, two TDs for AAMU. So, in this game, very competitive. Um, Unfortunately, it didn't turn out to be the way I would like it to be for TSU, you know, to get the victory. And, unfortunately to say, TSU had the lead in the game. They was winning the game for majority of the time. And they allowed Alabama A&M to come back and roar for a three-point victory. So, hands down, thumbs down, I want to say, uh, for TSU on that one. But, hey, like I said, I'm, I'm just glad to know that TSU is continuously competing week in and week out. And I just hope that this program can start to go in the right direction and ascend instead of descend. Um, looking at the Rice Owls, the Rice Owls come off another loss again against a solid Western Kentucky team that was 6-4, and four, or moved to 6-4, and four, and the Rice Owls dropped to 3-7. and seven. The Rice Owls um, quarterback, man, Constantine, played horrible. Four picks in a game, 380 yards passing. Should have been pulled early in the game. With all of that going on. Um, and on the other side, Zap for Western Kentucky, 482 yards passing, five TDs, one pick. 
He played solid. Now Constantine did throw one touchdown, but who cares when you throw four picks and you blow the game? T uh not TSU. Rice lost this game by 21. The final score is 42 to 21. And um hopefully they can just get it together and moving on to this UTEP matchup. They will be taking on UTEP in El Paso and I just don't think Rice will be able to pull this off in the El Paso as the El Paso fans have been showing up and being loud. Um, unfortunately, El Paso has been on a three-game losing streak. And what team is better to face than the Rice Owls to try to rebound and get back on the right track for the last couple games of the season? So, of course, the future matchup predictor says that UTEP has a 77% chance of beating Rice, and I definitely believe that with the spread being 10, I agree with that as well. Hopefully, Rice can go out and be competitive. Um, UTEP averages 24 points a game, and Rice averages 19.5 points a game, and hopefully, they can just make some severe differences, and Rice can pull it off. But one thing I would tell you about this Rice defense, it is horrible. The Rice defense allows 36 and a half points a game. And that reason right there is the reason why Rice is three and seven. Surprisingly, when you're allowing that many points a game, I'm surprised that they even have three victories on the season. And that is the truth. So, people, thank you for listening to another episode of STWD. Please like, subscribe, and share. And shout out to my brother, Wani B. And if you don't know, now you know. Check out the Mo City ENT Custom Sound, home of the Houston Bagger Street Killers. There, he builds bikes. He'll take them apart, install music. He does everything. He puts in work. It's an amazing job. And I'm talking about if you want to have your motorcycle beaten with pure quality. And I'm talking about Bing. That's where you gotta go. Remember, Mo City ENT Custom Sound. Turning heads several blocks down. Also, shout out to Dylan McClendon. Keep grinding, nephew. I see your Stafford Spartans out there balling. I see you balling. Remember, be patient. Look at what the offensive line is doing and attack, attack, attack. Ball out in them playoffs. And another thing, shout out to me because each and every week I'm grinding and I'm making sure that I drop this content. For you guys. So thank you. For listening. To Sports Talk.